0: What's up, everybody? So, let me apologize for not having an episode out yesterday. I started to put out the next episode on Revelation, and I realized that we needed to at least briefly cover some important information uh, from the book of Daniel. In order to truly understand the age that we are in, when it started, and why it started, and how it comes to an end, we must visit Daniel. To fully understand the rest of the book of Revelation, we must visit the book of Daniel. These two books must be understood together if we are going to make sense of the end times. So bear with me as we take a look at what Daniel has to say about the age of the Gentiles, how long it lasts, and when it comes to an end. Now, based on our study of the first three chapters in in Revelation, we already know that we are in the church age and that we are in the last period of the church age. However, we are also in the age of the Gentiles. These two ages are currently running simultaneously, but the age of the Gentiles started way back with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire during the time of Daniel. The church age began with the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus. For us to truly understand the times we are in, how they come to an end, and how we transition into the things that take place next, covered in Revelation starting with chapter 4, we must visit Daniel chapters 2, 7, and 9. With that said, let's jump into the book of Daniel and unfold the details pertaining to the age of the Gentiles. So the age of the Gentiles is made up of four empires um, that the Bible talks about, four kingdoms or empires. Now, depending on how you look at it, some will classify the fourth one as being broken apart and the last part of it actually being a fifth empire. But um, when you look at the grand scheme of things and the two different, uh, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has and the vision that Daniel has, it really implies that there's only four and that the fourth one is kind of stretched out over time and takes various forms Ending, of course, with the Antichrist and the one world government, but more on that later. So, you know, the Age of the Gentiles is made up of these four empires, and, you know, and they rule over and impact the nation of Israel and, you know, its people for, for a long time. So, let me explain that during the Age of the Gentiles, meaning the non Jews, the Gentiles will have a greater position during that time. You know, look at what Jesus says in Luke twenty-one, twenty-four, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So times of the Gentiles is also referred to as the age of the Gentiles. So here you see that Israel will be defeated, taken captive, scattered among the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled or defiled by the Gentiles, at least to some degree until the end of the age of the Gentiles. So why, when, and how did the age of the Gentiles begin? Well, to answer that, we must go back even further. It began because Israel disobeyed God and broke the covenant he made with them and the age of the Gentiles was the repercussion for their disobedience because Israel was subject to the law and the consequences for breaking it. Exodus twenty-three eleven says, But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among, you, uh, among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. So, God said that they could farm the land for six years. On the seventh year, they were commanded to let the land rest. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year for the land to recover. So, you know, as you read more about that, you know, on the sixth year, God would also give them like a double harvest. He made sure they had plenty to make it through that seventh year so that they could allow the land to rest. It wasn't like they were going to starve. So they kept this covenant for a time, but eventually they stopped and they began farming every year, including the Sabbath year or the seventh year. They continued to disobey and break this law or covenant for 490 years until they owed the land or they owed God in the land 70 Sabbath years of rest. Okay, so 490 years out of that 490 years, that's 70 Sabbath years that they broke and they now owed. So this is how God is with us sometimes. He will let us continue uh, in sin and disobey him sometimes for a while even. But eventually, if you don't come to your senses, he will get a hold of you and discipline you and wake you up to your disobedience. And that is what he did with the nation of Israel because they were under the law and the land covenant. And so... Because of their disobedience, the age of the Gentiles began and God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, because before this they had never been defeated, the Jerusalem had never been, you know, conquered and defiled and and ruled like this. And so and they had never been scattered out of their out of out of Jerusalem like this, out of their land. So because of their disobedience, the age of the Gentiles began and God allowed Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian empire to conquer Jerusalem and take the people captive. This city was left desolate and the people of Israel were taken out of their city and led away into captivity where they remained outside of their land for 70 years. These are the 70 Sabbath years that they owed uh, to that land. And so God took them out of that land and they were kept out of that land for seven, until the seventy years was repaid. Leviticus twenty six thirty two through thirty five says, "I myself will lay waste to the land, so that your enemies will live there. Who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins." Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest. It did not have during the Sabbaths that you lived in it. So this punishment begins with the Babylonians. And for 70 years, they were not allowed to be in their land. But after that time, a decree uh, issued by Cyrus uh, which who came after uh, Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, but more on that some other time. But a decree was issued by Cyrus, and it allowed the Jews to return to their land and rebuild. This took forty-nine years from the time the decree until it till it was finished, till the rebuild was was done. So now, before we go any further, let me cover a few things regarding the dream that Daniel interprets for King Nebuchadnezzar and the prophecy that Daniel has regarding the empire empires of the gentile age in it's the dream that he has about the four different beasts okay so nebuchadnezzar has a dream and only daniel can interpret it you know in this dream it it describes a statue that is made up of different sections a head of gold arms and chest of silver belly and thighs Uh, are bronze, and the rest of the legs are iron, and then the feet are part iron and part clay. You know, we know that these different sections of the statue represent the empires that will dominate, you know, defile the land or impact the, the people of Israel until the end of the Gentile age. The first empire was the Babylonians. The gold head symbolized the Babylonians, which was started with Nebuchadnezzar. So that's followed by... Uh, the Medo-Persians, you know, and Cyrus, uh, and then that was represented by the silver. Then the Greeks under Alexander the Great uh, represented was represented by the bronze, and then the Roman Empire um, represented the iron, and that's the iron legs and the and the feet uh, of iron with some clay mixed in there, but. I believe that the feet of iron and clay represent the empire of the Antichrist and the one world government that will come about when the tribulation period begins. So some say that it will be called the revised Roman Empire or it will be like the revised Roman Empire or a rebirth or a continuation of the Roman Empire since the feet are partly iron, you know. Either way, this fourth kingdom that began with the Roman Empire will be stretched out into the empire uh, or the one world government ran by the Antichrist. And we're kind of in an in-between stage right now of that fourth kingdom where the power is kind of broken up among uh, different alliances and different um, nations over there. But as you know, the... The different nations all around Israel are always attack, always after Israel. They're always, you know, wanting to attack them and wanting to destroy them, and you know, it's it's a mess. But you can see how all of that kind of kind of plays out. But um, you know, either way, the war, the one world government and its ruler, the Antichrist, which Daniel refers to as the eleventh horn will be destroyed by Jesus at the second coming. So Daniel two thirty four 34 um, says, You continued looking until a stone was uh, cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. It goes on, you know, in verse 35 to say that the stone that crushed the feet of the, of the statue grows into a great mountain and fills the whole earth. That stone, of course, is none other than Jesus himself, and it is referring to his return and to the to him defeating the Antichrist and His Empire and establishing the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom that will never be destroyed. What's interesting is that the stone strikes the feet of the statue, crushing them. And what does the and what does um Jesus do upon his second coming? He defeats the Antichrist, you know, the the enemy he defeats the devil and that unholy trinity so to speak and the enemies of his people you know and that's that includes the 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 all the nations of the earth that basically come against um israel and against the saints in anyway, way he established his you know what happens is he defeats the Antichrist and the enemies of his people and establishes his reign. You know, Also, we know that the ten toes make up the ten people or the ten kings that will initially govern that final empire or that final stage of, of that fourth empire uh, or one world government before Christ's return. Now, that brings me to the other dream that Daniel had regarding the four creatures found in Daniel chapter 7. These four creatures represent the four empires of the Gentile age, much like the statue did in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The first creature, a lion with wings, represents the Babylonian Empire. And this is evident in the fact that the, even their national emblem was a lion with wings. Now, the, the second beast was like a bear standing lopsided, you know, with one side raised up more than the other. And it had three ribs in its mouth or in its teeth, you know, in its mouth. The this represented the Medo-Persian Empire, and the Persians were more were the more dominant force in this alliance, causing it to to be lopsided, so to speak. And the three ribs in the mouth represent the nations they devoured, which were Lydia, Babylonia, and Egypt. The third beast was like a leopard with four wings and four heads. This represented the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. The leopard with wings represents the speed at which the Greek Empire spread, which was only only took four years, you know, under Alexander the Great, and then the four wings and four heads uh, represent the empire breaking into four parts with the death of Alexander the Great, and so it went to the four generals that were under him. So. The fourth beast is described as being terrifying with iron teeth and ten horns. But there is no animal comparison made to describe uh, this fourth beast, only that it is dreadful, terrifying, and extremely strong with ten horns. But he goes on to say that an eleventh horn comes up and three of the first horns are uprooted or torn out by the root before it, before the eleventh horn. And that this eleventh horn has eyes like a man and a mouth uttering great boasts. The fourth kingdom began with Rome, but becomes an alliance of Gentile powers over time. Um, just look at what you know Hitler did with Germany against the Jews. Um, you know, it be- it began with the Romans, but the Roman Empire was never destroyed and replaced like the prior empires. It just broke apart and dissolved into various nations over time. But even today, Israel is still dealing with um, the Gentiles. And, and look at the Palestinians that are on their land, and they're always having that fight with them uh, on their land. And the Muslim Dome of the Rock sits upon the Jewish Temple Mount. So in that respect, defiling that holy place, just as the scripture said it would be until the end of the Gentile age. You know, as for the fourth beast, the ten, the fourth beast, the ten horns represent the ten initial rulers or kings that will govern this final uh, stage of the empire, uh, the Gentile age. And the three and three of these rulers will be uprooted or subdued by the 11th horn or the Antichrist. It goes on to say that the eleventh horn is larger than the others and he will rule the one world government with the seven remaining horns or kings under him. You know, Daniel 7 goes on to say that the eleventh horn or Antichrist would wage war against the saints, that is, those who come to salvation during the tribulation period. It also says that he will uh, overpower them until the Ancient of Days arrives and passes judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the kingdom is given over to the saints. Daniel seven twenty three says that this fourth kingdom will be different from the others because it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. And this lines up exactly with what is expected from the Antichrist and the one world government. You know, it's going to be the only nation uh, before Christ. You know, sets up his reign where the whole world is subdued under one government so that that's that's kind of incredible daniel chapter 7 25 says he will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law and they will be given into his hand for a time times and a half a time here in Daniel and in Revelation, we will, you know, which we'll get to down the road, are the only places that mention this description of time, a time, times a, and a half a time. Thanks to Revelation, we know it to mean 3.5 years. So when the seven-year tribulation period begins, the first three and a half years will be peaceful, so to speak. Um, and you know, that peace treaty is established with Israel. And you will see the ten kings emerge. But when the Antichrist takes over, subduing three of the kings, he will wage war against the saints with the remaining seven kings under him. And he will speak out against God and will try to make alterations in time and law. God will give it to him for a time, for the remaining three and a half years, uh, the second half of that seven-year tribulation period. But at the end of that time, the Ancient of Days, Jesus will destroy that final empire and will establish his kingdom, and the saints will rule with him and under him, uh, and all the nations will be subdued and will obey him. And this is referring to the thousand-year reign, or at least the beginning of it, which we will discuss more later. There is so much that we will discuss when we continue on uh, with the book of Revelation. This is only dipping our toes into the water, so to speak. You know, much of what I've talked about today involving the Antichrist, the fourth kingdom, the tribulation period, the second coming, etc. will be covered in much more detail as we move forward with Revelation. So, now we know the age of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar and will continue until the second coming of Christ. With the Antichrist being the final ruler and the one that will be destroyed by Jesus and his return... We know that we are living in the final period of the Church Age, as discussed in previous episodes, and that we are living in the in a time that exists during the Fourth Kingdom, which happens to be between the Roman Empire as we knew it, which, by the way, the Holy Roman Empire officially ended around 1806. Um, you know, and so we are in a place that's in between the Roman Empire as we knew it and the continuation of it with the antichrist and the one world government all this began as a consequence for israel disobeying god and breaking his covenant so okay guys i'm going to stop here and we will pick up with the rest of what we need from daniel tomorrow Um, then thursday we will jump back into revelation uh, chapter 4 and continue on I hope this has made sense so far and has brought some clarity to chapters 2 and 7 of Daniel and how they tie into the book of Revelation. By the end of tomorrow's episode, the insight of Daniel should help shed a lot of light on the end times and the age of the Gentiles, thus making the transition into the things that comes comes next, starting with chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, more understandable. Today's study of Daniel really shows that God is just. They broke his covenant for 490 years, and that is exactly the length of the punishment that Daniel talks about with the 70 weeks that we will discuss tomorrow. Also, you see the same nature of of being just when Jesus tells the churches he will repay each believer according to their deeds. It also, yet again, shows his mercy, like when Jesus told the church of Laodicea that he only rebukes or disciplines those he loves. God loves his people, and he loves the nation of Israel. And and though he punished them, and that continues, he still loves them. And one day that subjugation from the Gentiles will run out. It will end, and the Jewish people will come to know Jesus as the Messiah. And we will be one people, two branches of the same tree, the church and Israel, the Jew and the Gentile. We will talk more about that much more later. Just know this. This is such a beautiful story of mercy, grace, love, redemption, victory, and so much more. Thank you, God, for your word and how it teaches us. Thank you for being faithful to your word and for your continued grace and mercy. Thank you for the redemption found in Yeshua. God, we long for the fulfillment of your word and for the rapture of your church. I look forward to the day we get to reign with you in your kingdom. I pray for strength for all those that must endure the things to come. But for now I pray for the full for the full number of the Gentiles to be brought into the church. As we wait on you, Lord, let us be bold and declare your truth. Let us not put off what we can do today, and today we can stand on your promises. Today we can declare the truth. Today we can be a light. Today we can share the love of Jesus with an urgency and purpose. Today we can live in a way that points others to to you and to the truth of salvation through him. Jesus, give us victory over the enemy today, and let us praise you for the battle is already won. Amen.